トーン、スティーブ、こんにちは。この番組すごいですね。あなたたち超面白い。私が番組出てもいいふん Welcome, everybody, to Masters of Profundication. I am Tom with them. And I am Steve Piles. And we would like to say a big shout out to our friends in all of the states that are listening to us. That means you, New、yes. York. New York. That means you, California. That means you. It used to be you, New York, after I did that. Now they've fled, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> we were just,、uh, before we went live, we were just looking at. Where we're popular and where our, where our podcast is popular. And、uh, New York is right up there catching up to Maine. We've got、uh, almost as many listeners in New York as we have in Maine. I feel like 30... it's like one compound. We got like a compound in New York that's <clears throat> dedicated to us. Well, 33% of our listeners are in Maine, 24.9. So basically 25% out of New York. And then it drops 7.2 in California. 6.2 in Massachusetts, 6% in Michigan, 3% in Maryland, 1.65% in New Jersey.、Uh, we've got Virginia, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, Nevada, Connecticut, North Carolina, Illinois, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, Missouri, Texas, Vermont, Arizona, Washington, D.C., Iowa, Kentucky, Ohio, Rhode Island, <laughs> South Carolina, and Wisconsin. That's where we're、was、getting the, our listeners. Was that all 56 states? No. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say 56 states pretty badly <laughs> earlier because the numbers that they present on the on the webpage that、uh, keeps track of the numbers, it said 56. We had 56 unique locations. I'm going to guess that some of those unique locations are, they have to be like Puerto Rico or the Dominican or, or something like that, you know, Virgin Islands. Guam. Guam. And the United Arab Emirates. Emirates, thank you very much. Yeah, welcome, United Arab Emirates. I think we should get a free trip to Dubai because of this. I want to go to Dubai. Have you seen the、yeah. shit that goes on over there? Yeah, like Tom Cruise is like climbing buildings and shit. I want to see that stuff. Yeah, and all the restaurants and the. I watched a thing, like, I don't know what it is about drinking over there. Like, you're not allowed、yeah. to drink, but they give it a pass in Dubai because. Tourists, basically tourists. <laughs> like, yeah, it's illegal, but I guess right. I mean, they're, they're like, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> right over there, they're hardline. They're you know, like, like they're throwing people off buildings for not thinking the same way. But、mm-hmm. mm, if you want to have a drink,、mm, have to, if you could spend some money, then we're okay with you. Right, but hey, you know, we're we're with you, Dubai. If I were hey, running you, you my own、what? country, you're you're downloading our podcast. I you you got a free pass, man. <laughs> free pass. They're like, whoo. Oh, you were, I, they were worried because、yeah. our influence is pretty influential. If I had, if I ran my own country, I'd, I'd probably, I'd have,、um, do you remember Nation States? You remember that <laughs> Nation States webpage?、Uh, well, I was giving a low, I was given a lowdown on it recently. Yes.、Uh, <laughs> well, this is something that we played, God, it was like eight or nine years ago.、Did、and we- it's, a, It's a web page.、Uh, it was pretty much all the cool kids at work. Because I don't wait. God damn it. 
Because I don't remember playing it. Damn it. <laughs> it must have been, well, you know, it was no Icarium or, you know. Right. It, well, it was. It happened around the same time as the Icarium fad. Nobody told me about that. Jesus Christ, Tom. You left me. I, you know what? I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> I am hurt. <laughs> From a slight from nine years ago. And you're out. Yes. I forget nothing. Um, no, it's basically a web page you can go to when uh, you're you're given a country that you can declare the style of government you're going to have. And it's pretty much, they've got, I want to say, every version of government that you can, I mean, right down to if you want to be yeah. an anarchist. Can and I be they, a dictator? Can I shoot everybody in the head that doesn't yes. tell you about the games they play? Yes, you can. Because I've got to. <laughs> I'm going to name certain people and then line them up in the town square and just like, boom, dead. What do you think this is? Dubai? Tim and Dan. and <laughs> <laughs> uh, No, anyway. And so then they ask you uh, questions and how you answer de- determines like how your country's going to run. And like, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know. Like I want to be a terrible dictator, but I always <laughs> feel like like my country's run in a libertarian style. Because the <laughs> the more I read the question, the more I'm like, oh no, I no, I I have to answer this way. I have to answer with my gut. My gut says that you know people should have free will and all that stuff. So uh, I can't lie to the internet. That's right. That's not something that's done. Uh, so anyway, we're um, we're getting back into it. If you want to. You're you're being oh invited sure yeah no God, yeah no no yes I want your pity invite I do I I really do want your pity invite <laughs> well I mean what's cool about it is there's a world alliance that you can send you know a, a delegate to and yeah uh, and it's a <laughs> can you, it's can you pick their uniform and well you can choose the flag and yes but nice when you're creating your country you can create a flag you can create like what your currency is. Uh, my okay, so when you create a flag, is it like from pre-made choices, or can you like well, you can Microsoft paint that thing up? Yes, you can do all I, of the above. I'm gonna make my flag somebody punching a dick. I'm just <laughs> telling you right now. What's the currency? A dick punch? <laughs> no, that's the flag. That's the thought that unites my country. Uh, the currency would be I don't know what's a good currency. Dick punch. Milk on Monday. Yeah, there you go. Oh, uh, that's a dying art, though. That's a dying thing. The it's already gone. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Womp, womp, We've got to keep it alive. Our inspiration for uh, Oak Nuggins and Dip Me in Your Monday Milk has slowly been erased. We, we've been censored at work, and you know how we feel about censorship. So the revolution is going to start. Yeah. Soon. Yep. And it's, it's not going to be pretty. Viva la Monday Milk. I already have a plan. <laughs> I've, yes. a matter of fact, I almost enacted the plan last week, uh, but I was too lazy and didn't do it. But <laughs> you'll see. But I'll get to it. It's it's happening. <laughs> well, know? I mean, I, when it comes to revolution, I'm kind of a procrastinator. <laughs> <laughs> like I got my guillotine ready. I just don't have it. Like I don't got the cable hooked up. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I got to read the instructions again on how to get this thing working. <laughs> like I got a basement full of people ready to execute, but I just. <sighs> couple of them have some funny jokes they tell me so i'll i put off yeah i was uh trying to watch a uh youtube video earlier and the ad that played before it was a guy uh that 
it was just a commercial. I don't even know what it was commercial for because I shut it off because it, it was a guy and he said, <laughs> procrastination is a symptom of someone with low self-esteem. I was like, <laughs> skip. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck you. I've got I've I've got good self-esteem. My self-esteem is high. I mean, I'm a procrastinator, but <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I guarantee you, if you look, you're gonna find some psychological research that tells you procrastinators do better work because they work with motivation or some bullshit. I, I guarantee you some the, the nature of scientific research, somebody somewhere has done research and says, yeah, procrastination is the way to go. Right. Guaranteed. Like uh, uh, Bill Gates said that he wanted, uh, what was his, there was a style of work that, or a type of person he wanted to have work for him that basically cheated the system. Yeah, he want, exactly. he wants people to cheat the system to find an easier, quicker way to do things. So that's that's the personality type that he likes to hire. And yeah, the guy that just paints by numbers and goes along with the program, they're just gonna total the same program. Yeah. You gotta get the guy that cuts corners and subverts things. Mm-hmm. Anarchy. Subversiveness. You said that like a salacious. Man. I don't I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> uh well earlier when you were irate <laughs> About not being told about nation states, you sounded like somebody that you sounded like uh, someone whose last name is Costanza, and I'm not talking about George. <laughs> okay, what the fuck was his dad's name? Frank. Yeah, Frank's getting angry. Frank's getting angry. Yeah. Uh, so Seinfeld. Yes. Seinfeld gave me an idea, and I think that's what we're gonna do this week, right? Seinfeld gave me a stiffy. We're gonna do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did watch no, the I did I did watch the episode where they made the mannequin out of Elaine's likeness and they put it <laughs> in the lingerie bent over the guy's lap. <laughs> Remember that? True. That was good. Or the well there's also also the episode where Elaine does a voicemail for Jerry or the you know the answer machine yeah. voice. Yeah. And they all get super horny for her. <laughs> like they can't stop staring <laughs> at her. Yeah. Um so Steve and I were talking at work last week about Seinfeld and about how it's drifting from our memory. And there are all kinds of good quotes, good scenes, lots of good dialogue, lots of funny lines. But they, the further and further away they get where we're not watching episodes, the harder it is to place what happens in which episode. And um, that brought up another conversation about when shows jump the shark. But more importantly, there's there's when shows jump the shark and there's also when shows peak because a show can peak and still right. be good after that. Right. A show jumping the shark is related to a show peaking, but they're definitely not the same thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like you said, just because a show peaks does not mean it's not it's bad. It's when a show jumps the shark. And I, I assume everybody in this day and age knows what we mean by jump the shark. So we don't really have to get into that. But yeah. You know, show jumping the shark is the sign of the end. Even though it might limp on for a while, it's never as good. Well, um, we're we're gonna start off talking about Seinfeld, but I cannot wait. I'm actually what I want to listen to most in this podcast is I want to hear your take on when Sign or uh, when The Simpsons peaked. <laughs> oh, oh my God! <laughs> but anyway, we'll no. save that. We'll save it. Well, no, not just not just that, but I was going to tell you, I have I found the greatest website for this week's topic that I, I I couldn't have asked for a better gift from above. Really, it's scientifically shows you when it, like I want 
we'll run through this exercise later, but I we could take any show and I could tell you when it peaks. Okay. Almost right. any show ever. Well, it's the greatest website ever. Okay. So there's science involved. Yeah. But well, let's like let's science. let's take a couple of our favorite series and break it down. Starting with Seinfeld. Okay. When uh <clears throat> when did you um sorry, I'm getting texts. Well, for me, there's a problem with Seinfeld, a little bit of a problem because I have a hard time differentiating the season. Like I've, I started watching Seinfeld maybe three seasons in, like, and then reversed on syndication, watched the reruns and stuff like that. And then I distinctly remember watching, you know, the final episode and all that stuff. And then once I was into it, being really into it and having to watch it every week. But you asked me, you know, what happens in season five? And I have no idea. Basically for me, Seinfeld is, <laughs> you want to break up Seinfeld? It's old Elaine haircut, new Elaine haircut. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i think that that is what pretty much everybody when, when i when honestly, i looked at this topic on seinfeld that was what everybody was saying i will tell you for me and maybe this is blasphemy i don't know what the consensus is but it really took off at new elaine haircut like maybe the peak was the first season that george got the job at the yankee stadium yeah and what's what you're right about is i couldn't tell you when that was like i couldn't pinpoint exactly what season that was unless i sat down and watched every single episode which i would do right now if i had the time i love I that plan show. To do it. um i i think it goes without saying that the first couple seasons especially since they were shortened you really they were really finding their footing in the first one two or three seasons and i'll tell you i right. never i i didn't see the first couple seasons as it aired um what year did Seinfeld start? Do you know? Do you remember? Uh, I want to say 89 because it went for nine years. Well, I mean, we can look, but yeah, I want to say like 89. Like technically, technically it wasn't 80 to come if you want to categorize it. But yeah, it was, uh, yeah, July 5th. July 5th. What the hell? Well, it. I think it was a summer run because the first season was only. Wow. Um, the first season was only like six episodes. So yeah, July fifth, nineteen eighty nine to May fourteenth, nineteen ninety eight. Wow. See, this is weird. Like this is like the conventional wisdom is always that mid season replacements or for love of God summer runs. Those are the shit shows that the network doesn't quite know what to do with and doesn't have faith in. Well, it was a show about nothing. Man. Yeah, I don't think I saw. I, I didn't watch one Seinfeld episode until probably season four. And that's when they started. Um, that's when Jerry and George were writing the the show about nothing. Right. Like trying to pitch it to NBC. Yep. That was. Ted Danza uh, gets a plane. Why don't we get a plane? <laughs> let me just, I'll read you the, the season four, um, season four episode names. Uh, let's see. Um, the bubble boy. Uh, <laughs> moops, <laughs> the moops, um, the contest, which we're gonna which talk about like, that again. Maybe um, episode. Yeah, the the junior mint, the smelly car, the handicap spot. You know, those were that's season four, and that's that's my that's when I saw it first. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in the service, I believe, and I saw Seinfeld, and it was as it aired. I want to say it was Thursday nights, right? Yeah, it was definitely because Thursdays was where NBC put their best shows. Yes. Okay, I would say what started started becoming popular, which I think season four would yeah definitely be in there. Yeah, Thursday nights was the Friends, Seinfeld. Well, I Friends, Frasier, Friends, and ER 
debuted on Thursday nights in 94. I'm almost positive they debuted together. Friends and ER, same year. Um, and I don't know if they started on Thursday nights, but they probably quickly moved them to Thursday nights as they gained popularity because ER was a yeah. huge hit. Friends was huge. Seinfeld was huge. Mm-hmm. What about Mad About You? When was that? Was I, I want to say Seinfeld and Mad About You were back-to-back. See, I, I, I can't I could say that be wrong. Sure because Mad About You was... Uh... 92 so that started a couple years before friends because friends was 94 so mad about you it might have been a thursday night thing i I didn't really watch it that much yeah i i did but not religiously like but i would i would catch some episodes so it definitely it seems like it would be around friends because why would i watch it otherwise right but i just remember the the dream team the back-to-back was or maybe not back-to-back but the starting at prime time friends and seifeld it was just like yeah nbc owned the 90s with just those two shows alone. Yeah. Well, so let's see. When did it peak? I could tell you exactly when it peaked scientifically was season, like the end of season six was its peak time for Seinfeld. What was going on at the end of season six? What? What? Well, I don't know. Let's see here. Seinfeld season six. So what makes it peak? What- the end of season six, the understudy, the face painter, the diplomats club, Fusilli Jerry. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so the understudy, the end of season six is George and Jerry are suspected of roughing up Bette Midler in a softball game. That is a great episode. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but think about it, Bette Midler. So you have some, you know, celebrity star power guest star. Yep. You want to know what else happened in season six that is indicative of a peak? It had two episodes where it was highlights of the show. Ah, uh, the clip show. The clip show. <laughs> I think that was kind of a 90s thing. Do they still do that? Is that even a thing anymore? I don't... Th- you know what? I, I'm not going to say I don't think so, but I say I don't think so because I haven't seen one. Right. But then I realized that I don't watch regular sitcoms anymore either. Like, yeah. the last sitcom I watched for this laugh track was Big Bang Theory, and that was years ago. Uh, so They I must have had know. a clip show. Like, with the amount of seasons they've had, they must yeah. have had a clip show. They, you think... Like every every TV show does a clip show. Like when The Simpsons did a clip show for the first time, it was actually like they almost apologized for it. Like the title of the show was "So It's Come to This," a, <laughs> C- a Simpsons clip show. Like they they knew what they were doing. Like right. they like apologetically. All right, we're sorry, but we have to do it. We have to stretch the season out. We got nothing. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> Remember well, why you liked us? Here it is. But that's what was happening in season six of Seinfeld. So if scientifically it was peaking in season six, right smack dab in the middle of season six was two episodes of clips from previous seasons, which mm-hmm. I'm telling you right here and right now is fantastic fucking TV. I would sit <laughs> and watch a clip show of Seinfeld for two hours. Just on a loop. Yeah. Just on a loop. I, I would I love that. I love that show. And the clips, like I said that's what my memory of Seinfeld has boiled down to is just like little snippets here and there, like the Frogger episode where George has to Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. and, and I kind of illustrated that the other day when I told you I had watched an episode and I, like I said, I'm going to start talking about stuff that happened in the episode and it's just going to fall into place. And it did, didn't it? Like, yeah, the Elaine with the, the drug test and she was eating the poppy seed muffins. Right. Like, that was a genius. That Seinfeld. was that was a whole story going on by itself in the background. But meanwhile, George was trying to convince his parents to move to Florida. <laughs> Jerry 
you know, was trying to convince his uncle to break up with a girlfriend so his parents would move back to Florida. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, Kramer, what did Kramer have going on? Jeez, now I can't remember. That's terrible, isn't it? Uh, oh, Kramer had the, the back scratching issue. Oh, yeah. Like the, the waitress <clears throat> with big nails. Yes. Yep. Yep. So all these things were like happening and they were just like I just described those those separate storylines all could have taken place in any other episode. So, like, yes, that that was a genius of Seinfeld. Like, I remember my, not my favorite, but one of the best, like, congruence, confluence episodes of Seinfeld was the one where Elaine was trying to get JFK's golf clubs for Jay Peterman yes. at an auction. Yeah, but that Jerry was... was getting his, Jerry was getting his car fixed by that mechanic who was, like, in love with his car. And, and uh, Kramer and uh, Newman were Newman. trying to do the Michigan bottle scam. Yep. And they end up like the golf clubs get thrown out of the car and knock out the freaking mail truck that they're driving. And they end up going, I think that's the episode where they go to the farm and Newman likes is going to score with the farmer's daughter. Yep. And yep. it was just the craziest episode from start to finish. But like all these three completely different storylines vector together. Yeah, they at the converge end. So they just, uh, oh. because Jerry's mechanic had stolen his car and yeah the golf club jfk's golf clubs were in the back kramer and newman who were in the bottle truck the mail truck carrying the bottles to michigan to turn them in for a profit they spot <laughs> the jerry's car game. yeah they they spot jerry's car so the kramer starts following the car and then the guy starts and jerry i think calls does he call yeah he's he's called kramer like him and elaine are calling kramer and they're like, pick up the clubs. You got to pick up the clubs. And yeah. she's like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess. Ah, <laughs> uh, what a great oh, show. God. So, yeah, so it's, it peaked in season six, and then it dipped. It dipped hard at the end of about the middle of season seven. And then it didn't, it picked up a little bit, and then it dipped really, like it never recovered. Season six was the highest part of that thing. It And then it just went off a cliff. And that's weird, right? Like you well, think of Seinfeld, you think of it being popular forever. Okay. But the on. numbers show. I, I was just going to say that it dipped in popularity and maybe yeah. the numbers dipped a little bit. But that episode we just described with the bottle scam in the mm-hmm. golf clubs, that was in season seven. It was yes, still really good TV. So, okay. Well, I guess I should explain where I'm coming from here. This is, I found this website called Ringer. They did this amazing article. Like, this is a. Holy crap, this is a really good article about um it's called When Do TV Shows Peak? And they actually take I uh, I think it's IMDb and take any any TV show with five thousand or more votes, like user votes, and they rate them using those votes about when the best and worst episodes, like basically they take give a timeline. So going from zero to a hundred as far as the percent runtime, so hundred percent runtime all of the seasons. And then the quality, the scale for quality, I'm not sure what they, it's not like this one's out of nine. It's kind of arbitrary. That's a little weird part, but it peaks. They take, they basically take the highest peak and say that's the highest part of the scale. So this one, the highest peak is nine. I'm not sure if that is like 90% approval. I'm not sure what that number is. And I looked in the article and they didn't really explain it. So that's the fly in the ointment here. But it peaks at the end of season six, drops precipitously. For season seven. So this is not viewership. This is not number of people watching. This is, this is people that have bothered to write in saying, I liked or didn't like this show. Wow. Because and you then know what it, else is in season seven? 
Right smack dab in the middle of season seven is the rye, the rye bread. Oh, the the oh yeah, when he like takes it from the old lady and yeah. Yep. Also yeah, in season great. seven, so, the sponge is he sponge worthy? Sponge worthy. Yep. Yep. Uh, what? the secret code, the ATM code, Bosco. The ah. soup, the soup <laughs> Nazi is in season seven. Right. So I mean, I guess this is with perspective. Like people will years later do reviews saying. Like I feel like there's a bunch of nerds sitting around a table and typing and going, "Well, if you dissect, you know, the the subversiveness and the how it lampoon pop culture and the richness of the narrative, then you have this is clearly the best." Not the average guy sitting around going, "Yeah, I remember that episode. And that one made me laugh." You know? Okay. Well, okay. Science aside, like yes, I I agree that you could you could take. I am definitely not my my feelings don't align with the popularity of what other people think all the time. I understand that. Like I'm I, I figured that out. Mm-hmm. So based on reviews of individual episodes, if the data shows that the show peaked in season six and took a downturn in season seven, I can see that with, you know, people's attention spans, maybe some people who really love the show. Yes. early on got sick of it but this is what i'm trying to say and this is why seinfeld is such a perfect um topic or a, a, a perfect subject for this topic is mm-hmm. because there may have been lag at the very end but jerry seinfeld went out on top he could have dragged that show out another three four years and drove it into the ground and gone out unpopular he went out like like batman you either die a hero right. or live long enough to see yourself the villain. He went out on top. And I'm saying that there was an upward trajectory from season one all the way up. And you take those episodes in those later seasons, season seven with the soup Nazi and, and those types mm-hmm. of things. Like even season eight had the muffin top episode, the yada yada, um, <laughs> the the English patient episode, um, the Van Buren boys. uh the little Jerry, you know, things, things like that. Even season nine, I, I could go and probably give you some good examples of episodes. <clears throat> there was another clip show right before the uh, finale, by the way. Yes. But, I remember that one. Cause it was set to the Superman music. <laughs> yeah. The Puerto Rican day where with the parade and Which Kramer. Is a very controversial episode. It apparently. sure is. <laughs> the Frogger, the one where George does the Frogger. Um, so, the reverse peephole. So what I'm saying is, <laughs> I love the reverse peephole. <laughs> what I'm saying, looking, trying to see what the fuck's going on. <laughs> the Merv Griffin show. Yes. So that's season nine. That's the last season. This show peaked, and it just decided to walk off stage. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. I just picturing the reverse peephole still. I can't. Yeah, get I know. It. Serenity <laughs> now. Like, Oh God, Serenity Now! Serenity Fuck. Now is in episode is in season nine. So you're telling me that this show took a dip? Well, I don't think I'm, so. Seriously, um, season nine, the last season, was slightly, just slightly, actually, almost even with season one. Yeah, and as far and as IMDb, like people that I'm, I'm gonna say right now that that's due to fatigue. That that's the only right. thing I can think of. It that is just people hungering for something else. 
that it, that has nothing to do with the quality of the content. Because if you are a Seinfeld fan and the things that you thought were funny, the things that made you laugh about Jerry Seinfeld mm-hmm. in the first few seasons are the same things that were making you laugh in the last seasons. You just might have been tired of laughing at the same thing. So I'm saying that that show peaked and maybe mm-hmm. plateaued, but he went out on top because that was a yes. great fucking show. We talked about this um, many episodes ago when we were talking about celebrity crushes. You mentioned celebrity deathmatch, that claymation thing on MTV mm-hmm. where they fought each other. And I mentioned my favorite one was when the celebrity, but I can't remember who Jerry Seinfeld was fighting, but the thing ended with George and Elaine and Kramer beating the crap out of Jerry for ending the show. Like, yeah. This is our gravy train. Why'd you? Have? But one of the parts at the beginning was the George character that, you know, was sitting there looking at us like, well, you know, it's all it's okay. Like he's smiling through his teeth, type of thing, like a false, you know, just trying to keep a stiff upper lip. It's like Jerry says it's better to go out on top than you know, go out when everybody hates you. So That's right. we're all on board. And I just always remember that joke because I remember thinking years later, like, yeah, that was better. Like he he at season nine, and it was still insanely popular. Yes. So it still ended with good quality, not the best quality. Like I distinctly remember the episode where they went, like the backwards episode, like they went to India. Yeah, Bizarro, the Bizarro Jerry, or well, they all went to India for the wedding, and Kramer did that snowball fight. You know all that crap. Yeah, the whole thing was backwards from the end to the beginning. Oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was I want to say that was a season nine episode, and I distinctly remember at the time not really caring about reviews for some reason. I actually read a review about that one, and people were just skewering it just saying how crappy it was and it's like it's all gimmicky and it had no content and all it was was just weird for weird sake and so definitely critics and i think maybe you're right people had fatigue at that point like i like that episode but it was definitely a gimmicky episode to try yeah. to shake things up well i think seinfeld is unique in the way that they did it um so you know science be damned i say that that show <laughs> peaked when it went when it went out um other shows we could sit here and talk about Arrested Development, but we both know that that show, like, pegged out in the first episode. That peaked <laughs> and just well, I was gonna plateaued. Look, where does that... I don't think you're going to... I, I don't think that people... I don't trust people's opinions on that kind of thing because Arrested Development, to me, is an untouchable masterpiece that it's like a... It's like a uh, Picasso where I'm going to stand next to it and talk about how this this guy is an absolute genius and look at the way he used lines and shading, and then somebody else is going to look at it and be like, that is total and complete crap. A fifth grader <laughs> could do that. You know what I mean? I feel like you're being defensive here about against the science, but the science agrees with you. <laughs> well, okay, then I'll go with the it, science. But this, I'll... The th- here, well, here's, here's the rest of development. It started off insanely high, like almost to the top, jumped peaks halfway through, which is pretty much the end of the network stuff, the Fox stuff. Mm-hmm. So season three peaks at season three and then takes a sharp nosedive. Yes. And I would agree and, with that. Yes. So this is a show that, yeah, scientifically, I, I say science I and mean, whatever it is, user reviews and all that shit, but whatever, yeah. the best objective measurement we have. It starts almost at the top. Episode one, it starts higher than almost any other show in the world. Yeah, I and I agree, and it it bothers me to some degree 
that there are people walking this earth right now that have never seen Arrested Development, never given it a shot. And what's even worse is there might have been people that gave it a shot and didn't like it. That Exactly. That, I hate that. I hate yes. that. That there, I I mingle amongst people that yes. give it a meh. <laughs> there's no room for you gonna, in the future, friend. There's yeah, no... I was just, I was just gonna say, well, you said there's people that that haven't watched it. I'm like, that's a candle next to the people that have watched it and yeah. didn't like it. Yeah. Oh, I hate you as a person. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel yep. like you're a foreign spy come to subvert everything good. <laughs> And brilliant about America. Yep. If you don't like Arrested Development, because I can't, I can't relate to you at all. Right? How could you, you be might trusted? as well be a demon from hell? In my, how mind. can you be trusted if you don't think yes. Arrested Development is the height of entertainment? Then I don't know as I can trust you. You know, I could, I could, I could be generous enough in spirit to allow you. <laughs> You say that Arrested Development isn't your favorite show. I will give you that because I am very giving and magnanimous. But if you say Arrested Development isn't funny, fisticuffs, my friend. <laughs> oh, screw fisticuffs. Scorched earth. I'm going. You you have five minutes to reach minimum safe distance because I'm blowing this motherfucker. I'm going to orbit and I'm nuking this thing. From <laughs> I'm going to find your house. I'm going to burn it down. I'm going to be wearing a banana grabber costume while I do it. And you're not going to know why. And that's going to be why you're burning. Yeah. You know, we've alienated so many people right now. I know. I <laughs> it's know. terrible. That's awful. But here's the thing. The same thing goes for Seinfeld. It goes for a handful of shows. <clears throat> I can say certain things. And I know if I've got a friend. I know it's kind of <laughs> like the Masons, I guess. Like. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you belong <laughs> to a group. Yes. It's a secret code. If I walk up to somebody and say, there's always money in the banana stand, if they know what I'm talking about, I've got a friend. I know that I've got a safe space. Look, I, uh, you know, I, I will say this, and I remember telling you this, and you were pretty ambivalent about it, but I bonded with somebody recently, not too long ago, a couple months ago, yep. over Simpsons quotes, and I now think very well of this person because we have the same weird psychopathic simpsons obsession like i took a phone call from this person a few like a month ago and when they said something i said uh you're gonna have to speak up i'm only wearing a towel and they laughed hysterically and i knew that we were bonded for long. so there you go <laughs> well that is a funny line but yeah uh, I, th- I th- that's why I can't wait to get to the uh, the Simpsons <laughs> portion of this. Let's let's well, just go right to it. Let's just go right to the Simpsons. When did the Simpsons peak? Because I'll tell you right now, I missed a whole bunch of the beginning of the Simpsons. I came to the party late. Uh, what I watched, I liked. A matter of fact, I I was pretty fanatical about it. Um, I think I got to uh, season nine, and I stopped watching, and then I tried picking it back up, and it was when I did, it was utter filth. So. That wow, I feel bad for you. Holy, I, that feels like a confession because uh, I never heard that before. You only started season nine. I I could so have gone to season ten. I know. I know. I I bought season nine on DVD, and I don't think I bothered to buy anything beyond that. And I don't remember why. I basically we uh, we didn't have Fox when I was growing up. We didn't have Fox, so. Uh, I didn't get the Simpsons until I went in the service. When I got in the service, 
I saw barely a little, you know, until I settled down, I got, you know, I got married and got my own place and I had like a normal work week where I'd go to work and come home and sit down and watch the Simpsons kind of thing. And so I, I started out like season two or three and what I liked and what I saw, I liked it just, it kind of jumped the shark, I guess is the best way to put it. But I remember, um, I, I watch a lot of football and football is on Fox and it's on uh, CBS, whatever. But they play a lot of bumper advertisements for TV shows and the Simpsons bumpers, are, they they got to a point where they were like cringeworthy. Um, some of the guest stars, like I think this, I think Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins guest starred once, Metallica guest starred or whatever. And it was just like the jokes that they were pigeonholing and eh, it was not anything that I was interested okay. in. So I kind of fell away from watching The Simpsons. Okay, the Billy Corrigan episode was not bad because that's the episode Homer went on tour with Lollapalooza. It, that actually was a pretty decent episode, so I'm sorry. I'm going to have to tell you you're dead wrong. <laughs> well, I probably just watched the commercial. I probably didn't watch the whole episode. so I'm not that sorry. Well, still. <laughs> um, I can tell you when it peaked for me. What's um, that? Or not necessarily when it peaked, but when it dropped off for me. I, I feel like when Phil Hartman was killed. You just gave me a weird prelude to my trivia question, but we'll get okay. there eventually. <laughs> all right. This is The Simpsons is all about you, so go. Yes, you, no. It's almost exactly it. Like, you can almost... I, I'm not going to say it's the reason, but you could put a pin in it. When Phil Hartman died, it almost directly coincides with when the show started sucking ass. Because I believe he died right around season nine. And any Simpsons, you know, super geek will tell you Simpsons seasons. Some say three. I still say really good episodes were in season two. Seasons two through eight were the golden age of the Simpsons. Um, and then Simpsons season nine had some good episodes. So the last good Phil Hartman episode I remember was Marge is becoming a real estate agent and Lionel Hutz is the real estate. He's like in charge of the office. Mm hmm. That's the last, that, that might be the last Phil Hartman episode, but that's the last good one at least. Um, but the scientific thing says Simpsons peaked in season five. And that makes sense because holy season shit, season five has the good. Season five was a peak. And then it's when it drops, it doesn't drop much until season, yeah, about season eight right there. Season, yep, exactly season eight. That's when it starts dropping off the cliff. Weirdly enough, it seems like it's had a bounce in the last couple of years. But I haven't watched it, so I can't vouch for it. But yeah, season five. And season five has some of the greatest episodes. The Boy Who Knew Too Much, where Bart has to go to trial to save Mayor Quimby's nephew. It's <laughs> fucking hilarious. So you haven't watched The Simpsons in the last few seasons? Is that what I gathered from that? At least the last three or four. So like I finally get I finally gave it up. Wow. I thought that you were watching all along. No, I I used to brag about that. Like I've seen every episode of The Simpsons. Then I finally like, came to my battered wife syndrome moment. <laughs> like this is just an abusive relationship. Why am I staying here? Huh. So where I said it was junk is pretty much where everybody says it was junk. Is that what I'm? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Well, the decline started at season nine. Like oh, okay. Said, and then it dropped, started dropping it dropped quick. The lowest point was season twenty three stuff like that so yeah right around the mid-20s is when it really suffered and then it, for some reason i actually got a re a renaissance but 
one that started off high, like Arrested Development, started off really high. And think about it. When it started, like you said, you weren't really aware of it till season nine or whatever, but you still were. You knew about it, right? Like you still knew the controversy and all the stuff on the political end. I'm sure you read the newspapers about it and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Like everybody thought Bart Simpson was the worst. Like all the moral majority types and all that stuff are like, oh, Tipper Gore, you know, or Bart Simpson is the worst yeah. thing ever. He's destroying the youth of America and all that crap. Eat my shorts. Yes. Don't have a cow was apparently like a satanic chant or something. Don't, don't have a cow, man. The fact that he was not a good, obedient little boy was the worst. And <laughs> would you like to get a time machine and take all those people forward a few years and make them watch like Family Guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But then they would say, that's a result of us not, you know, standing firm yeah. on this. They probably love it. They probably have like an orgasm. Yes, I was right. Oh! <laughs> um, I can't point to where it peaked for me other than I like when it was in its height for me, the episode that mm -hmm. I remember the most was who shot Burns, who shot Mr. Burns. Right. And that was towards the tail end. I want to say that was season seven or so. Something like that. Six yeah. like six into seven or something. Yeah, that was like I remember the finale that season was Who Shot Mr. Burns, which was a direct they, they stole that from Dallas, Who Shot JR. But they okay. left it as a cliffhanger. Uh right. But the, the premiere of the next season they were gonna and they had contests over the summer. They had you know what I mean? Like Right, right. It was uh Geez, they had product. I want to say Doritos and Pepsi and all kinds of like go to McDonald's and buy a, a game pad that would tell you, you know, which character is most likely. It was total tie in, and, product tie in. And it ended up being Maggie Simpson, which nobody in a million years would have, would have guessed. No, but in hindsight, people have gone back and talked about how when I think Mr. Burns says something to a crowd of people and everybody like, looks away like they can't make eye contact with him and the only one that makes eye contact is maggie she looks at him angrily <laughs> so yeah. there they were telltale signs but mm -hmm. definitely uh so far below the surface that people weren't getting it because right. i don't i don't know who might have guessed it well then he fell on the sundial with a w and s which in reverse was m and s which as least explained but as mr burns so succinctly just think no my last my last action was sucking the gold fillings out of my teeth to keep the emts from stealing them <laughs> yeah they have sticky fingers <laughs> i remember there being an x-files episode oh god that was a great episode that was in, in the <laughs> i'm gonna pontificate right now god damn it in the golden age of the simpsons the guest star episodes were some of the best like seriously well the x-files I... episode was really really good Yep. And the baseball episode, which was, you would think on paper, this episode will be a train wreck. All you do is get a bunch of major league players, Dale Strawberry and whatnot, to show up and read lines. You think it's going to be horrible because they can't, they're not actors. Homer at the bat is one of my favorite episodes ever. Huh. Top three, easily. Wow. That's bold, knowing how Fuck, much you love that yeah. show. I love that show, and that is still one of my top three what, what's now what's so endearing about it it's just got so many good lines it just it, it's it's so it's like one liner after one liner that just works perfect like homer walks up he's in the power plant league 
and he's trying to see if he made the team after Burns gets all these major leaguers in there. And he looks and he says, I can't look. Did I make the team? And no, no, that's not the one I'm thinking of. Where he looks and says that Daryl Strawberry is playing his position. He's like, I play left field. Okay. Or you play left field. Okay. I'm butchering this. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to. Okay. I'm going to stop. I'm butchering this completely. And now I feel embarrassed for myself. Okay. That's anyways, all right. It's a lot of good lines. Yeah. My favorite Simpsons moment in line is uh, Burns telling Homer to get out. And then he tells Mr. Smithers, he says, release the hounds. <clears throat> Probably happened more would, than once, but I, I just I would laugh at that. But I've been sitting here right now, loathing myself for butchering that entire episode. <laughs> I'm sorry I, I asked. You want me to no, edit it out? I'm, I'm going to go kill myself after this podcast. So, hey, this is a good run. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> uh, uh, dang, let's change the subject quick. Name another show that we have to talk themselves. about. Oh, I can tell you when the uh, when Lost peaked for me. <laughs> for you. <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, season one. Yep. Season finale, season one, peak. <laughs> I remember watching the premiere well, of the you... second season, and and I was like, what the fuck is this shit? I liked it all the way through season, I want to say at least four. Holy shit. I've, this is crazy. Lost is like the fucking Alps. It goes up and down and up and down. <laughs> yeah, because you had people so fucking confused. Oh, my God. Like, no other one I looked at is, is, like, Lost. Lost is all over the place. So the highest peak is uh, season, yeah, like, about season three. And then it drops, like, like right off the cliff. And then it goes back up about season five. And then it drops, and for the finale, it goes back up again. That's crazy. Like, Lost is, well, that fits for Lost. Lost was a crazy show. Can you think of another show that probably just had an upward trajectory? Like, it had ups and downs, but it probably ended high. The only one I can think of is MASH. And I don't even... I don't... I remember watching MASH, but I don't ever remember watching MASH, like, as it aired. I probably did, but I don't remember because I watched so many episodes in syndication that it probably all ran together. But I can't think of one bad episode. Okay, well, here's the sad thing. This is... um doesn't have MASH in there. <laughs> it has SMASH. Which I never heard of, but does well, not have Well, are match. you putting in MASH as in M-A-S-H, or are you doing M period I, I tried it both ways. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I tried the acronym, too. It didn't work. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's concerning. <laughs> well, I I think that our listening audience might agree that MASH probably was very much like Seinfeld, where it didn't have, you know, probably didn't have the uh, the downward slope. I it, it could have jumped the shark. I don't know. Well, I I can't speak to Mash personally because I only watched a few episodes of like Nick at Night. Like yeah. it was not something that was I was too young and it was already off the air when I was an infant, pretty much a toddler. I just never caught it on reruns, and so I can't speak to Mash that well. I know my parents liked it. Yeah, it was a good show, really good show. So, what do you think? Okay, so what do you think makes a TV show like what? In the audience minds, in the vast unwashed masses, mass mash. See, you got it in my head. <laughs> vast unwashed masses. What do you think makes a show start to take off and then peak, and then what makes them start to lose interest? Like, what do you think? Well, we already talked about the fatigue. I think that that is a real thing, and we've talked about it before. Both you and I, I feel, agree that television now should be limited to like three seasons, like a, a three season arc <laughs> by law. It, I mean, I, 
like it should just be that way. I, I can't imagine they well take these shows and just what's that? I say four seasons. I've seen some shows that really made got into their own in the fourth season. So I that's what I say. No more than four seasons. I guess. Well, in in to for to me, there's a a combination there that you would likely reach. Like um Game of Thrones. That mm-hmm. has been ten episodes and they've taken long hiatuses. So right. I think that they can get away a little bit more. I think that the traditional um the traditional schedule of fall premiere and then a mid-season hiatus and then uh a winter premiere or spring premiere if you will and then uh then a finale in the summer i think that that formula probably could work for some shows and i just don't think it works for all shows and i think that they're the networks are set on that and I don't know why, because you have shows that could be good um, and just aren't like uh, take those CSIs, for example. Mm. For one, you had too many cities. And number two, the premise is great. But I, I think that people have a misconception about crime scene analysts. You know that <laughs> way more than I do. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was more than just that, like uh, dark courtrooms for fuck's sake, you know. Yeah, is yeah. every is every courtroom in Las Vegas dimly lit with black light neon? <laughs> it's ridiculous. But um NCIS, that's a stupid show. They've probably played that out way past its life. Uh let me let me tell you right here, right now, you have made so many people angry by saying NCIS is a stupid show, but Solidarity Brother, because I am with you. Yeah. I don't like that show at all. It's I really I've tried to watch episodes i can't get behind that show if you want a television show that makes absolutely no difference if you're watching it backwards if you're watching it cut up in five minute chunks all jumbled up if you're watching Mm -hmm. five minutes of one episode and five minutes of another episode then five minutes of another episode if if that's how you watch tv more power to you because Mm -hmm. ncis it fits that mold every episode's the same you could you could take five minutes out of one episode and plant it. Just pluck it out, plant it into another episode. Yes. Just roll with it. Just roll you with it. You could do a Frankenstein monster. You could just chop it all up and throw it in a pot and mix it up and spit it on an episode. And the people that like it would probably like it still probably about the same level. Right. Because NCIS is one of those shows that runs in such a way that you can just sit down on your couch Turn on the TV. Oh, what's on? NCIS. Oh, it's halfway through the episode. Oh, well, I'm going to keep watching it. And yeah, like in 30 seconds, you're caught mm-hmm. up. And, <laughs> and in a minute and a half, you've figured out who the bad guy is and you know how it's going to end. So why are you watching? You could you could be like watching USA where they do like 20 episodes back to back. You could be like doing your dishes or your ironing or, you know, whatever, doing some home repair. Look up. And not be quite sure if it's still the same episode you were watching. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Like, honestly, that's that show. That and the cheese. The like at yeah. first I was angry with it because it was I it was a show that took itself seriously. But now I know that it doesn't that show does not take itself seriously. Like it's not uh one of those shows that relies heavily on the dialogue, if you will. No. <clears throat> 
Well, I keep coming back to there's a, a notorious scene in one episode, and the only reason I know about it because I've watched like a video clip of the craziest scenes ever, something like that. And it was two people like they're trying to stop a hacker or some bullshit, which Hollywood always has problems with hacking, but this takes it to a new kind of crazy level. They're trying to stop a hacker, so you have the Abby girl and the guy, the nerdy guy, whatever the fuck his name is, nerdy guy, <laughs> nerdy guy, nerdy girl. So they could like double down on it. One person takes one half of a keyboard and the other person takes the other half and they double their speed to <laughs> stop the hacker. And it's the stupidest. Oh my God. Like, do they start sharing a brain too? Because that's what they fucking would have to be doing. Like, they yeah. should have just, at the same time, they should have taken a fucking Ethernet cord and plugged it in one ear and then plugged it in her ear. And yeah. that would have been a, Fully as believable as this. Okay, I'm getting angry for no reason. <laughs> yeah. This stupid episode. No, I it it's gimmicky. Uh, it's got the the gimmicks that make <laughs> you laugh. I guess. Like so, for anybody that's listening that's getting angry right now, saying, "I just like the show." Fuck you. You have bad taste, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make <laughs> sure you're not a listener anymore, and that you're not a fan, and you hate me because that's if what I you, do. If you if <laughs> you like NCIS and don't like Arrested Development, <laughs> just walk away. I will find you and I will assassinate you <laughs> because you're what's wrong with the world. Well, okay. Well, th- how this all started is what what gets it, you know, what, not jump the shark, but when it peaks and falls off, it's still good, but it's falling off. I think that, again, fatigue and the style of storytelling those are the two things that I would say. The sheer volume of episodes, lack of an ability to keep a story going. I mean, t- to be honest, there are very few stories in that universe, I guess, that are worth telling. Like in the in the NCIS world, there are only so many stories you can tell. Like um I think that the best example of this is Murder, She Wrote, where like every episode had a murder, yet it was a small town. No, that mm-hmm. I mean, you can't have that many murders in that small town. <laughs> now, the worst fucking town in America. Yeah. So if she traveled and by happenstance was solving murders, you know, that's one thing. But to stay put in one town and have that, or uh, Psych has that problem too, but Psych is a ridiculous comedy they he's a psychic for the santa barbara yes. police department he solves murders but every episode's a murder i mean well make we, it we, instead we, of a we, murder make it like art theft or you know something you know like it doesn't have to be murder all the time so you're telling the same story over and over and over and over in an implausible way i think, well, I think that we said before that comedy gets a pass on a lot of plot holes type of stuff yeah because if the point is to make you laugh then jesus i said that word the point is to make you laugh (laughs) then a lot of plot holes a lot of nonsensical elements become forgivable so like you know taking place all in the same town or whatever yes it would have the highest murder rate in america but still it's the point is to make you laugh i like to believe that murder she wrote has an out because angela lansbury is also a witch so she's the one murdering people yeah She's just casting spells and making alternate realities and stuff. Well, uh, another red and Okay. Bruises. 
another one is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> you know, I, I like, want to talk about that. <laughs> okay, but you you get what I'm saying that you go to the well too too often. Yeah, you, like the, the ridiculous elements of Buffy, which is we've we've talked about it before. There's a magic spell for everything. Yeah, and holy shit, is Sunnydale like the occult capital of the entire planet or what? Because there's always oh, there's a magic artifact in this tomb in town, and there's this magic sword that we got to get in town, and holy, there's this ritual that was taking place in town, and it's always like, it's always right there. They never have to go more than three blocks <laughs> to find the new crazy magic demon thing that's going on, and it's, uh, I mean, and yeah, they hand wave it away by saying it's the hell mouth, so it's a nexus of occult activity but i'm sorry it's like there's nowhere else in the world like like she like buffy saves the world multiple times so the logical conclusion is nowhere else in the world is anything happening that is a dire threat just this one little town in california right right what the fuck (laughs) so and i think that that all i maybe maybe fatigue is the umbrella that all these things kind of fall under because um, there are well, other things there there are other things that suffer too, not just story, but the writing, acting, uh, inclusion of characters that are ridiculous. Like there, <laughs> there are well, things that go along with fatigue. If not, that's what's causing the fatigue. There's a, there's a quote I want to read when I was doing this reading this article from the Ringer thing, where this scale that I've been looking at comes from. So this guy named Alan uh, Alec Berg, who was a writer on Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, he said this thing. He said, the very best episodes of an unbelievably innovative show may meet with a thunderous lack of response from an, from an audience. They don't get it at all. So he said, dealing with peak popularity is the point where the viewers start to get it, and then it falls off when they tire of it. Yeah. So yeah, the fatigue. So there's always this curve where, like Seinfeld, the first couple of seasons of Seinfeld, people just didn't know, you know, they're used to watching, when Seinfeld was on the air, they're used to watching fucking Family Ties and Full House and... Growing Pains. You know, Growing Pains and, you know, all these family-friendly sitcoms. Like, the most pushing the envelope sitcom on the air at that time was Cheers, which I love me some Cheers, but that wasn't exactly like shaking up the status quo or anything like that right you know murphy brown or something like that no that was a crazy push in the envelope shows then seinfeld comes on the air where it's four people living in new york and that's it and people didn't get it yeah why is this kramer guy being an idiot and why is a you know george such a dumbass and you know stuff like that and then all of a sudden it builds and the people so this is going to sound elitist of me but the people that have discerning taste are making noises. Holy crap, this show is good. Here, just look at it this way. Think about it this way. Look at this one scene, this one joke. See how they layered it up? Look at this one episode. See how all the three of these storylines converge into this amazing thing at the end? And it starts to spread. And then all of a sudden, by season, what the fuck did I say about Seinfeld? Season six? Yep. Everybody is on board. I want to see what Kramer does. I want to see how George fucks it up again. I want to see how Jerry loses his shit. I want to see how Lynn is like the worst woman in the world. You know, I got to see this stuff because now, because everybody's been talking about it, now I'm on board. But then that happens again and again and again. And by season 
eight, you're like, I still like it, but I get it. It's yeah. not thrilling me anymore. <clears throat> well, and, and it's interesting you you brought up those shows that were on before Seinfeld and Friends. There was kind of a, a death nail for some of those older sitcoms, and that was adding a character that didn't belong. Mm-hmm. Some the shows kid. got away with it. The kid. But, well... And I just wanted to mention, you brought up Cheers. Cheers did it right with Woody Harrelson. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that was something well, that coach, was... Coach died. Yeah. So they were the kind of coach died. up against it. But I don't I don't remember the exact episode that Woody Harrelson's character was introduced, but they did it right. They had to have because Woody was a great character. But you have other shows in it, like... I'm not having perfect memories of this right now, but I know there were like in growing pains, they added a kid in Mm -hmm. like Brady bunch. Like they added a kid, like Mm -hmm. family ties. They added a kid. And that was just kind of like this, this nail in the coffin for these shows. It's jumping the shark. One on one. You want to jump the shark, add a new kid. Yeah. uh, Cosby added a kid, you know? Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm sure Roseanne did too. The one, yeah, I think so. And the one thing that I keep coming back to is married with children, added a kid, and then I don't know if they planned this for I really haven't done research on it, but I don't know if they planned this for beginning or not. But they added a kid for I want to say a season or two, and then the kid disappeared, and they added like it was like all a dream or a hallucination or something was crazy (laughs) or something like that. Like the kid disappeared, and he was like, I I want to say there was an episode where he was on a bottle of like a carton of milk, like, have you seen me type of thing? And they played the whole thing off for laughs because yeah. Married with Children could get away with that. It was just a crazy show. So, well, but do you like back going back to what we said at the beginning? Do you think the jumping the shark moment coincides with the peak in most shows or any shows? Or I would say it's probably a coincidence, um, a likely coincidence, but I don't think that it has to happen. I don't think a show has to peak in order to jump the shark like i said mm-hmm. <clears throat> pick a show pick just pick any show any any random show like in the last uh, let's take breaking bad did that even jump the shark oh geez you just remember i was going to mention that that is an example of if you look at this whole like graph thing that i was been looking at breaking bad had it nothing but an upward trend right so that peaked and never jumped the shark so it's possible yeah. to do one and not the other that actually peaked in the last season. Like it just it had almost a, almost a steadily like individual middle seasons kind of dipped a little bit, but season by season it kept going up and up and up until the last season was plateaued till the highest rating almost any show ever gets. Yeah, I I, I think shows like that that know exactly what it is. Uh, West planned. War. Okay, well I was gonna say like Breaking Bad was. I, I want to feel like it's planned. Like it's like we're gonna go. What did Breaking Bad finally go? Five seasons. Yeah. So five seasons, we're done. We're not gonna drag this out till everybody just forgets why they liked it. Like Vince Gilligan and, and company were like, we are going to make a show. We are going to tell a story. Once the story is done, the fucking story is done. Right. And Breaking Bad will be forever hailed as the one of the perfect shows of the golden age of television. Right. And was it capable of jump, jumping the shark? Yeah. You give that. Idea. You you give that two more seasons, it was gonna jump the shark. If you know Walt I mean? would have woken up for season six in the hospital, fuck that show. 
Yeah. Like I would say right now, if there's a season six and it started with Walt waking up in a hospital, big middle finger to that show, man, all day long. Right. So you have shows that are capable of peaking without jumping the shark. I don't think that you have shows capable of jumping the shark without peaking because for the most part, right. most of these shows, they they have to be popular. They have to peak at some point to be popular enough to jump the shark because a lot of shows, right. go, you know, one and done They're you know, <laughs> it's it's crazy. I looked it up once how many shows get a pilot and that's it. You just never see them again mm. or one or two episodes and you never see them again. There's like this. I've always wanted to find a pilot graveyard where you could <laughs> go and stream these shows that just never got a chance. Um, well, like shows that got like maybe a half of a first season and they got aborted or something, you know, uh, flash forward. That is a good example of a TV show that peaked and just <laughs> never given another opportunity because they jumped the shark within the first season. Yeah. Yeah. I remember being very fascinated by this show. Like, Wow, this is gonna be a cool show. Yeah, had a lot of potential. And seriously, by the end of the season, I can't really tell you how this first season ended because I was like, "There's a reason why that didn't come back again." Because I was like, eh, "Okay." Yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, there's a show on NBC right now. I think it's NBC. It could be CBS called Manifest. It's about a plane full of people right. taking off and coming back five years later, and people think that that no time passed. I originally thought this is going to be a great show i want to watch this i want to see where mm -hmm. that goes and then like reality set in and i was like nope this is absolutely going to jump the shark it is going to have a moment where i'm going to watch it and i'm going to be like nope this is the stupidest shit ever <laughs> so i didn't even bother starting and i think my methods now that i it's it's i'm going to coin this term right now call it the breaking bad method is nice I'm going to allow a show to go two or three seasons before I start watching it, just based on the fact that I can now. Probably couldn't have done that 10 years ago. You couldn't say, oh, I'll just binge yep. watch it. You know, you were going to either watch it or not. I mean, you could DVR it and right. let it go a couple seasons. But um, I know <laughs> it probably frustrates the shit out of you the way I did it was I came into Breaking Bad. <laughs> I, I binge watched Breaking Bad over the hiatus. And when I started watching, there were like six episodes. So I got to watch the finale with everybody else, but I didn't go through any of the torture that like you had to go through between seasons because they had such oh, long God. hiatuses with such huge cliffhangers. I I didn't like I got those moments and then was able to move on immediately. So my breaking bad method of watching television now is to see how many seasons an, uh, a show gets and I'll pick it up. Like you're right now talking about the Patriot that, that show. Yeah. That's probably something I'm going to, that's they're in their second season. They finished two seasons. Yes. And that's, it's very, very iffy if it's going to come back for a third season. Right. So if something gets two seasons and then somebody recommends it to me, I'll probably give that a chance, mm. but it took me like four seasons to watch Game of Thrones, and I love that. Right. But I was also like, I'm not going to get into a show that's got what eight, ten episodes, and then they go away Why for a year. Right. Well, yeah, I'm. I'm not going to do that. I mean, I ended up, you know, finally giving in and watching it and loving it. But 
I think the best advice I could give anybody right now, if they haven't seen Game of Thrones, start it right now. Start it right now, and come right. April, you'll be caught up with everybody else, and it'll be fantastic. You'll get to watch the, you'll get to see how it ends with everybody and get caught up in the hype, and that'll be fantastic. Um, I just, I think that shows wouldn't survive if everybody did that, but mm-hmm. I think that that's just a, it's a tactic that, if you can if you can get away with it you should do it um especially with shows there's a new one coming out on fox i believe i can't remember it's kind of it's like a cross between the walking dead and x-men if that makes any sense i think it's called the passage or something like that in the commercial oh yeah i have seen yeah okay yeah and it's one of those shows that's got a huge writing staff headed by Mm -hmm. like i know it's not scott ridley but i mean it's that's how it's being touted as written by J.J. <laughs> Abrams, you know, which he was probably in the room for a minute while somebody was writing it, you know? Right. But yeah, always be aware of the producer credit from somebody you like because producer doesn't mean jack shit. <laughs> right. So um, I just I, I like that's a show that I would love. I, I think that I would really like it's got it's got a zombie element. It's got some mutant element. It's got people with mm-hmm. special powers. Um, speaking of shows with people with special powers, Heroes, that that oh peaked my God. probably mid-season two, I'd say. I, if if you, I had to be fair. Let me look it up. I'm going to take a guess right here, right now, before I look it up. Peak is season one. I'll bet you any. I, I would agree with that. But I think, to be fair, that second season was not the worst. I mean, it was bad, but it... <sighs> <laughs> what season hero starts at the very top and is a flat line until season three where it just jumps to the bottom wow to the absolute and then becomes another flat there's no peaks and valleys it's absolute top drop right down to the bottom and then stays at the bottom all the way to the end when does it drop like mid-season uh one? no it drops like season let's see how many seasons was it on four I don't so, think I don't think they got a full season four. So yeah, like about season two, it drops all the way to the bottom. Yeah, I think that, and I think that's fair because yeah. season one ended on such a high note, like they were, yeah. and then the season premiere, the team was broken up and they were trying to find each other. I think, and I, I believe those first probably four or five episodes weren't the worst in the world, and then it just. I'll say this all day long. For Heroes, I like season one and season two and the first half of season three, starting with the second half of season three. Oh, seriously, the second half of season three becomes a completely different show. And then it just sucks from there. It yeah. just sucks ass from there. So, well, okay. So I want to mention this. There's this, um, in the same article, there's this quote from this guy, Michael Schur, who wrote for Saturday, Saturday, Live, uh, Saturday Night Live. Wow, what the fuck? Uh, the Office and Parks and Recreation, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He like wrote a lot of popular shows. He says, if you had your way and you had all the time and the money in the world and not like a studio or the bean counters breathing down your neck, he's like every TV show in the world should start with writing, shooting, and editing from eight to ten episodes. You take those, you study them, and then you throw them away. And then you make your real show. Yeah. That's I'd I'd say that's probably good advice. I'm like, yeah, that's actually pretty. That's a pretty profound thing to say because you like as a writer, a team of writers, whatever you want to look at, you don't know where you're going. You don't know 
where your character's personalities are going to blossom and work, which which relationships are going to be the best. Film 10 episodes, maybe put them in front of a test audience, see which ones are the ones that resonate, and then toss them all out, start from scratch, and then you're going to have a golden first season, guaranteed. Yep. But I would, that's not I would the nature like, of the bees. No. I would love to be a test audience, professional oh, test God. audience. Yes. That would be a dream job of mine. Just at the very least, I would love to be able to tell these shows when things are stupid. <laughs> you know. Like, this is so obvious humor. This is so pedantic. What's wrong with you? What the fuck? No, I, I just, I like, I do get caught up in details. And yeah, God love, you know, Westworld. God, God love those shows like that that are just like they pay attention to every last detail. Arrested Development is that way. Maybe that's why I like those shows so much because of the detail. Uh, there are so well, many. What's that? It's multi-layered, like we talked about. M- multi-layered, but I like continuity between scenes, and yeah, like there's a detail here that you need to watch out for because it's going to pop up again, or. Even something as ridiculous in The Walking Dead, it, like the details about firearms, I I can't get past it. Mm-hmm. I just can't get past it. I hate <laughs> that. I hate it when they portray things contrary. You know, they don't. The guns that they use don't work the way they use them. I wish, and it's more than just like unlimited ammo because you know that's that's just the same thing in movies and you know all these. John McClane's and Die Hard have an unlimited ammunition, and John Rambo <laughs> yeah, have an unlimited grenades. ammo. Yeah, so you know, there's just there are things that I wish that I could fix, and you forget about them when you're watching TV and when you're watching movies. If you're completely engrossed, you might be like, "Ah, that gets a pass because you know the story is so good" or something like that. But you know, it's that's something that's hard for me to get past. I I have a really hard time with you know people not using their firearms correctly or you know <laughs> i hate it when you're watching a car chase scene and like they run over something and the it blows out the grill of the car and then in the next scene you see him with the the, the grill of the car is fine and then in another scene the the mirror has been broken off but then in another scene the mirror is there i just you know those are the type of continuity things that <clears throat> that's why they give away awards for editing i guess you know that's why you get an oscar for editing a movie or or an (laughs) emmy for editing well yeah well everybody in the world will tell you that the movie or the tv show is made or breaked broken break i like break (laughs) break whatever yeah fake breaked made or breaked in the editing like without an editor without a competent talented editor it's junk it's nothing yeah and maybe it's my calling but I would love to at least be somebody that sits there and tells somebody that's editing the movie. You can't do it in that. You, you can't do that. That's stupid. Stop it. Well, not for nothing. Walking Dead peaked in season four, which was the prison season. Yeah, that's when I got rid of it. That's when I shut that shit off. So, but, yeah, so... peaking TV. <laughs> yes, it's frustrating. That's I guess that's a, what it comes down to is like right here, right now, I'm trying to think of an example of Breaking Bad that just almost consistently just got better and it ended at its highest note firefly and i can't it's just it's hard so fucking difficult to do like you just you get to that point where it's like the greatest and then it just becomes beating a dead horse like talking about buffy like my for me for my money season two is the best season if you're a buffy fan that's a season where angel goes bad 
that's the season where it really comes into its own has the best episodes on the scale season three is considered the best season and then it drops off from there but that's season three out of what is it seven seasons yeah think about that that's how much right here right now does it depress you to think about how much your life you've wasted watching shows because you liked them at the beginning and then just kept up with them long after they stopped being really that enjoyable for you i I was looking for that when we were talking about the simpsons there's an actual there's a name for that and i can't remember it's the something fallacy does that ring a bell uh that sounds like like a genuine psychological pro like uh like gamblers have it think of my luck due to turn well it's it's it it's really money it's um it 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 goes to uh value and god i wish i could remember what it is yeah it's right there it's called the something fallacy and basically it's um i have a comic book in my hand that is worth a thousand dollars and i refuse to sell it Mm -hmm. um but if i walk into a comic book store and i see it it with a thousand dollars in my hand and i want that comic book you know, it's it's basically how you see the value of things. All like right, you, like if it's, if it's worth something now, it's got to be worth something more later on. Yeah, right. And and you've invested so much in it, like uh, like the comic book that's in your hand that's worth, you know, somebody wants to give you two dollars for it, but you you think it's worth a lot more because you've invested so much into it. God, I'm gonna I'm gonna find this. Um, right. The sunk cost fallacy. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's what it is. I have so, that, yeah. Okay, I've already put enough effort or time or something like that into it. I can't back out now because it's about. Even though it right. looks like it's going downhill, it's got to turn around. Yes. Uh, Instead of cutting your losses, you're just going to keep losing. Yeah, this is about money, but it, it it applies. The sunk cost effect is the general tendency for people to continue an endeavor or continue consuming or pursuing an option if they've invested time or money or some resource in it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's called the sunk cost fallacy. And that's when I think about you watching The Simpsons in the later, even when you don't like it, I think right. he's he's caught up in the sunk cost fallacy. And, exactly. and everybody does to some degree. Nobody is immune to the sunk cost fallacy. Um, my wife is one of the worst, the worst, when it comes to, like we've had a couple of yard sales and God, I like... You get to a point when you're when you're selling crap out of your house that you don't want anymore. Like I'm not a hoarder, but I have things that I don't want to get rid of. Yeah. And when I do decide to get rid of those things or anything that is not part of my like okay, I just want to get out of this out of the house now. I'll put it on the lawn for, you know, way underpriced just cuz I want to get rid of it. Um <laughs> we've sold things, we've put things out on the lawn. And everything I put out there on the lawn, she's like jacking the price up. She's <laughs> like, don't put it out there for that. Um, I had a, an old lawnmower I wanted to put out there and it wouldn't even run anymore. But I knew we have enough tinkers in the neighborhood that they would see a free you know, lawnmower out on the front yard and somebody would stop and pick it up and take it and probably fix it and make it run. You know, or like spare they, parts or something. <clears throat> spare parts or something. I mean, the, the one I put out there, the dog a mouse got in it and the dog destroyed it. It was, it was smoked. I was the amount of money it would cost to buy parts to make it run. I couldn't, you know, it was just as much to buy a new one. So I take this old piece of shit lawnmower that's busted all the dog shit out in the front lawn with a free sign. And she's like, sees it. And she's like, you can't put that out there for free. (laughs) 
Like that cost us money. I'm like, uh, yeah. but that's like, that's the sunk cost fallacy that has nothing to do with the fact that there was a shitty lawnmower. That was, we've invested money in that. We got to mm-hmm. have some sort of return where I'm just like, Pfft. but I did find out, um, that if you say free, it takes a lot longer for somebody to take it. than if you put a price on it, people are going to stop quickly and, and take it. So that makes sense because you value something you sacrifice for, even if the sacrifice is 10 bucks. Yeah. So my, the lesson learned is if I want something to sit on my front lawn for three days, I'll put free on it. If I want it to go immediately, I'll put like 10 bucks on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but, uh, it free means crap. If it's free, then obviously it's not worth their time. Why is it worth my time? Yeah. And it's funny because this sunk cost fallacy can be applied to, like fandom, uh, mm-hmm. sports teams, um, politics. Like, how many people stick with? Geez, I don't want to get into politics. I'll just say this: How many people stick <laughs> with somebody just for the fact that they started there, and they're like, I, they don't want to admit that they put all that time and effort and emotion. And oh yeah, uh, when it comes to Republican and Democrat, I yeah. Mean, oh, I've been a Republican my entire life. I would never vote for a Democrat, even though the Democrat could be the absolute best candidate. Mm-hmm. You know, I know people or, like or vice versa. I, yeah, I know people that would rather vote for Mickey Mouse than vote for a candidate of their opposing. You know, like this person, yeah. Democrat is running unopposed. To me, if you're willing to put yourself out there and do a job, it doesn't matter what your party is. If you're running unopposed, I'm you're going to get my vote. You're mm-hmm. willing to do that. But there are people that aren't even willing to vote for somebody running unopposed because. They're Democrat. I'm not. I'm not voting for a Republican. Exactly. Ever. Yeah, it's just the idea of you know I chose a side. I chose a person. Whatever the case may be, I'm unwilling to admit that I was wrong. That I that I invested my belief, my time, my emotions into this. So fuck it. I'm just gonna stick with it to the bitter end. You know, it's 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 from the height of politics. You know, stuff that actually makes a difference in our lives to the fucking low of which fucking TV show I'm gonna watch. Like I said this a thousand, uh, at least a thousand times now, I watched that show Smallville from start to finish, got done with 10 seasons of Smallville, distinctly remember watching the last episode and then like a day later going, why the fuck did I stick with it that long? That show was crap. Like it wasn't even years later once I had perspective. It was like days later. Day, like, day God after. damn, that show was crap. Why did I watch that for so long? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's in our... It's in us to do it. It's part of an instinct mm-hmm. that we have. So, which is good in some respects. You know, loyalty and perseverance are good traits. It's just every good trait has a dark side. Right. Well, and that's what I was saying about sports teams is, you know, you could be accused of being a bandwagon fan, but in reality, you know, you want to root for a team that's got a chance to win. You know, mm-hmm. you want to be able to to savor your team that you root for winning it all. So what's the best way to do that is root for the champion <laughs> root, you know, like put at like the same time, but at, yeah, at the same time, I, I, you know, there are people that are fans that are bandwagon fans. that will jump on and they get a bad rap. They get a, just a bad reputation of bandwagon fans. But when you think about it, the people who, okay, well, my team didn't make the playoffs, so I'm going to root for this team. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. A matter of fact, you're crazy. Sure. You're you're crazy if you love a sport, but you refuse to root for a team 
because they beat your team or something like that. You know what? It's just stubborn. Yeah, that's that to me is just like, okay, your team got beat and you're mad about it. Get over it and root for the team that beat your team to go all the way because you want your team to have been beat by the best. <laughs> you know, like there's a mentality there that I don't get that people. Well, I mean, I get it because, you know, I'm I'm I love sports and I, you know, if I feel bad when my team loses. Oh, speaking of that, I. I know that this is a way tangent, but Lydia or my daughter, um, my eight year old showed like an unbelievable empathy towards uh, the losing team. She <laughs> stayed up and watched Kansas city or new England, Kansas city. When Kansas city lost and they were showing the crowd and all the sad people, she got like incredibly sad. Aww. She was, she was happy as hell that the Patriots won. She was happy that, you know, the team that her mom and dad likes and, you know, she's growing to like that team. She was happy they won, but then she saw those people and she's like, oh, I feel so bad that the team lost. Oh, look at the players. That's not, uh, it <laughs> felt bad. I'm like, you know what? That's it. That's the mark of some good sportsmanship right there. That's like, you need to feel that you need to know that there are people that feel bad and dejected right now because their team didn't win. And it's okay to feel bad for them. You don't have to be one of these people that like, yeah, suck it. I beat you. Yeah. My team beat your team. Urgh! You know, I own like, you now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, it does feel good to know that my team won, but God. Well, like it's weird too, because at the same time, think about you, you probably know somebody, I, I'm guessing everybody knows somebody who roots for a team that they have no real reason to root for. Like, like they root for not even the, like usually the winning team, the bandwagon team, but even like a weird team, like you're like, okay, I like this team. Oh, did you grow up in that area? No. Are they winning a lot? No. <laughs> what? It's just, it's a little strange. Like why, why do you like that team? Then? Well, there's you, I almost think that there's always a little kernel of reason for that because they're creating a new football league starting up the week after the Super Bowl. It's a, it's basically a minor league NFL. That's the best way to put it. But they're touting it as professional sports. So the same as mm -hmm. like the Portland Sea Dogs or the Portland Red Claws, you know, teams like that. But it's football. And I decided that I was going to pick a team. Well, they don't have one in this region. They don't have anything in the Northeast. It's all West and South. Um, and I'm a big Disney fan. So of course, there's <laughs> an Orlando team. So the Orlando team is my team. That's as it's as simple as that. But it means something. Like I Right. I and I, I know where you're coming from. I don't know. The, the people that yeah, I, I know one of my best friends has this weird affection for a team that, you know, just might have been good when they were younger, I guess. That's the best way mm -hmm. to put it. But just sucking it up. And you could easily choose a, a team that's closer to home that's winning <laughs> that, you know, but Whatever, it's not all about that. No, in, in the end, it's all about what gives you enjoyment because it's just it's fucking sports. Who, you know, right? It means and, even though so many people, it's an end all and be all of their fucking lives. It's people throwing around a ball and making millions of dollars that you'll right. never see by working your ass off at your job. Yeah, it's it's really tough to invest happiness into something you have no control over. Exactly, like zero control. It's tribalism at its best, just because what i always think of too like i've never been that into sports but i can appreciate you know wanting your team to win but with, when you start dissecting it it becomes very troublesome because what are you really looking at is you're not looking at a 
team full of people that grew up in the same area you did, right? Had the same experiences you did when you were a kid, like hometown people making it good. It's guys that grew up across, like they could be playing like the Patriots play against fucking, I don't know, whatever, Seattle. And some of the guys on the Patriots grew up in Seattle. Yeah. By rights, they should be playing on that team if if it was really like representative of that area. Well, like the picking people that crisscross the country for players means that you're not really rooting for anybody that has shared values or history or background or anything like that that you have. It's just they share the name of the team, and that to, is it. To bring it full circle, Seinfeld does a really good bit on that. He does a whole bit on rooting. You're rooting for shirts. Uh, shirts. All you're yeah. doing is rooting for shirts. And it's it's actually quite fun. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. Okay. So television peak peak television series seasons episodes. Have we done it justice? I think so. I think we've dissected enough. Yeah. We've uh we, with the science route, we went the colloquialism route. Yeah, we did good. Lots of examples. I will I will chalk this up to a win. I will chalk this up to a very poignant, thorough. You know what? I'm going to chat this up to a world-changing episode. Yeah, we definitely changed the world. And those people over at the, in Dubai, they're going to listen to this and they're going to appreciate it. However, the people that we have to face at work on Monday that we insulted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, did we ever. <laughs> uh, we might have no. some explaining to do. NCIS sucks. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it loud and proud. Yeah, that's funny. Uh so uh so does to, really catch, but for different to switch gears, do you have a philosophy topic that you'd like to talk about? I do, but also to switch gears, I gotta take a piss like a racehorse, so I'm gonna be right. And in the world of podcasts, that was the quickest piss ever. <laughs> do you ever piss so much that you feel like your toilet's angry at you? Or is that just daily? <laughs> it's screaming with its mouth wide. Why? Why? What did you eat? What the hell? uh philosophy my question i think will be quicker okay you want to go first it's just it's something i want to discuss uh i i saw an article recently that said Mm -hmm. humans will have humans will have the capability to live to a thousand years and the person the first person to live to a thousand years has already been born actually i feel like i've seen that too maybe not that specific one but i've seen that sentiment yes like the first person to live to be a thousand years. So I guess what I want to discuss is, because I know you and I have talked, even on the podcast, we've talked about that you want to live as long as as long as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. What technology do you think we have to have in order to live to a thousand? And if it is readily available, what does that mean for our planet? Well, weirdly enough, I, I'm probably not the same article you looked at, but just today I saw like a news blip saying there's this what the fuck is it some lizard something like that that can regrow limbs like you chop off its leg and it regrows a leg yeah it can even regrow parts of its brain that scientists have just now finished mapping its entire genome which weirdly enough was more complicated than the human genome so it was like a really big deal mm-hmm. and the guy that interviewed said something like you know hey it's a the the dream is to Take what we learned and apply it to humans. It's not going to happen anytime soon, but think about it. Like the future of medicine could be obsolete. Like we make humans so the fact, like you chop off an arm, it's just going to grow again. You have brain damage, the parts of your brain that you're missing are going to regenerate. Like, and that's what aging is, is your cells having 
diminishing returns. You know, the cells die, get copied again, but the copy is slightly worse than the previous copy. And multiply that by thousands and thousands of times, and all of a sudden you have, you're old. Your hair's gray, your skin's wrinkled, your organs are failing. That's what age is, is bad copies of your previous cells. So if you have perfect copies of your previous cells, you can live forever, or near perfect, you can live to be a thousand years old. So I feel like it's not technology so much as genetic engineering. Like, okay, when I think technology, I think of, <laughs> you know, circuits and robot parts and shit like that. Maybe I'm thinking wrong, but science, medicine. Well, I mean, genetic engineering would be science too, but. Well, that's what I mean. Like, here's, here's the thing is we kind of have to die. Yeah. Especially with the amount of people that we have on the planet right now. Like, if we decided if if they came out with technology tomorrow to apply this to every to to basically anybody that was willing to participate you want to live to a thousand bam take the shot you'll be all set Mm -hmm. like what the hell would happen to our planet we'd have to stop procreating and we'd probably have to kill some people (laughs) (laughs) silent green (laughs) yeah we would probably i mean like just because we can doesn't mean we should kind of thing like like what, what would that do to our resources i'm still for it in the fact of the basic axiomatic principle of necessity is the mother of invention so right here right now we have the technology to colonize space you know we could put permanent human habitat habitations whatever you want to say on the moon we could build space stations where people could live there indefinitely it wouldn't be easy, so that's what's keeping us from doing it. But we know how to do it. Um, if we got to the point where people weren't dying and where our population was exploding, I would like to think that looking at the writing on the wall, people would be like, "All right, space stations, moon colonies, let's get to Mars," you know, stuff like that, where we could start shutting people off to keep room. What would have to happen though is a drastic change in our economy. So, like, social security would not be a thing anymore because you could never fund it. Right. People just wouldn't die. I mean, what's retirement age if you live to be 1,900? I mean, what the hell? Well, that's the thing is if you're making perfect copies of yourself do you, or yourselves, are you, are you going to live to be 1,000 at the physical ability you are now? Or yeah. like, do, can you reverse aging? Can you like, what is it that you're going to be able to contribute to society? society? If you're able to live to a thousand years old, I say, if you, if you have the ability to do this to people, you take some select few that are going to, you know, be able to make the decisions on, you know, or like you couldn't do it to everybody. There's just no way you'd have to say, sorry, folks, Mm -hmm. we had this technology, but we're not going to give it to anybody. Yes. And that's the elitist answer. But I, I agree. Like, Geez, I, there's no good way to say this, but letting somebody live to be a thousand would be would have to be insanely cost prohibitive to ensure that the people that do it are the people with resources. Hopefully, the people with resources are the best and the brightest among us. That's why they have resources. Like that's an insanely elitist thing to say, but you don't want fuck it in for a penny in for a pound. I'm just gonna say it. You don't want the lower class like. You son of a bitch. (laughs) You don't want the lower crest knuckle draggers all like everybody that lives in the fucking worst towns in America, the trailer parks and what have you. 
to be living to be a thousand years old because holy crap you monster what the fuck <laughs> like so here's <laughs> here's the capitalist in me is says we will you can buy 50 years at a time oh okay yeah you can or or you can buy years mm-hmm. because let's be honest there are people that get to a certain age that say all right take me now i'm done i am all done Mm-hmm. And you would have people that would lose children. They would lose grandchildren. They'd see family members grow and die. And like that has to affect your psyche in such a way. Like I, I don't like putting my pets to sleep. Can you imagine having to be 500 years old and putting your kid down? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, um, I just like, yeah, like putting your pets to sleep. Like it's time junior. What? Like I noticed that you're slower walking across the living room today. I'm gonna have to take you to wait, Dad. Are you are you, are you kidding me? It's yeah. what's best for everybody. It's, but, it's for best for everybody. I'm okay. I just walked. I tripped across the dope. Nope, it's time. It's time. But you see what <laughs> we're I'm gonna get? Yeah. Like the the real selfish motherfucker in me is like, yeah, sell it, sell it a year at a time, mm-hmm. and you know you get to be 150, and you you've seen everything you've wanted to see. You've watched family members come and go. It's time for you to go. Bye. You just don't purchase one more year. It could be like <laughs> it could be like the Netflix of life. <laughs> like you're on a payment plan. Yep. And Do you want to renew? Nope. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Not necessarily we're going to keep you alive. The the way I really see it though is we figure out a way to put our brains into like a matrix. We, mm. we figure out a way to put our consciousness into a vanilla sky type server that we are able to live out our lives without our bodies per se. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's well, like the singularity basically. I yeah. Think. Like I, I see that as more of a viable option than having, you know, a seven, eight, 900 billion people <laughs> trying to not die. Well, okay. Well, there's this, um, couple of books i read called the commonwealth saga sci-fi books they had very interesting ideas like in this universe they set up essentially cloning technology reached a point where you would you know you got to a certain age and you would go into this rejuvenation vat and you would regress yourself to basically your mid-20s like your prime of life and at the same time you would have your like a chip in your brain basically that would be constantly updating your consciousness to a computer so if you died prematurely you would just your last save, <laughs> your save game of, of, of basically would get reloaded. So they would clone you a new body. You download your consciousness to it. So effect, and that was everybody. It wasn't just the rich. Everybody had access to this. So the entire human race was immortal, functionally immortal. What how they got around that with overcrowding and stuff was that at the same time part of the te- part of the technology in this story was they developed wormholes. So they're constantly finding new planets to colonize across the entire galaxy mm-hmm. across the universe so there's no space problem everybody could find a space they could go anywhere they wanted to live so it was like a golden age for humanity but one of the things that was interesting was the social aspects of it like marriages became finite contracts like hey i'm into you now you're into me now let's agree to be married for 30 years and at the end of 30 years we'll re-examine our situation if we both want to go our own ways yeah we'll go our own ways it was a contract if we want to re-up and we renew the contract we'll do another 20 years we'll you know as time goes on 
there was no idea that marriage between two people was going to be like for life. You know, yeah, I just, I, I, not a thing. now that you mention it, uh, if, if my wife and I are living to a thousand and we're staying married for that full thousand years, like one of us is going off a cliff without yeah. a doubt. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. We're human. As romantic as you want to be, no two people, maybe like the super rarest of the rare, but almost nobody is going to, especially if you live to be like 90 years old, a hundred years old and you renew yourself and you're a horny 20 year old again, you're not going to look at your wife. It's like, wow, we just spent 70 years together. Let's do it again. You're going to look around at all the other hotties around you going, yeah, I totally want to bone that one. Uh, see, uh, like we had a no, good life. No, We're soulmate. We're soulmates. <laughs> yeah. Like that's as romantic as that sounds, that's not going to happen. And the other part was like criminals, like murderers. Like how do you murder somebody that can't die? <laughs> the idea was. This is so frustrating. I know. Just but the die. idea was you're removing part of their life. Like They're going to have to go back to an uploaded virtue so they're gonna miss like if i murder you right now and your last save spot was you know a week ago a month ago you're gonna lose that much time so the penalty for that was you could put in suspended animation for a certain number of years so there's no death penalty because there's no death so even murder is you cost somebody some part of their life we're gonna take some part of your life you know and that was it well here's a question i have with that and to the whole thousand year life thing like okay you'd, you'd have people get married you'd have people fall in love you can't stop that like that yeah. that's one thing that's universal forever is love and then getting it down and dirty what what would be the expectation for reproduction when you're yeah. when when you are essentially immortal and you have working male parts and she has working female parts you know <clears throat> there are birds and bees and when a man and woman love each other very much they um you know do their business so a baby's born and then a chip is implanted into them immediately yeah well also at the same time is why would you would especially do whatever method you had to let people live to be a thousand but if it was some form of cloning rejuvenation technology you would definitely have the option of not even having to have the woman carry the baby like you could say here's my genetics here's her genetics Let's throw it in the soup, bing, bang, boom. In a week, we got a baby. So what would be the point of my genetics and her genetics? You know what I mean? Like Just the instinctual drive to procreate. Like I don't think you'd get rid of that. Like There's this idea that we are just sacks of flesh, like a support system for our DNA. And all our lives are for is to propagate our DNA. We are slaves to our DNA. Our DNA wants to go on. So all the rest of it, our intelligence, our sex drives, our physicality is just another way to get our DNA to live on, to make copies of itself. Hmm. So, like, that's our instinct. Like, you know, what's what do they say the the three Fs are for basic instincts? Flee, fuck, and fight, you know? Or feed, fuck, and fight, or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Food, Ferraris, uh, Nugent. Farfik Nugent! <laughs> well anyway i just thought that was an interesting concept to, for people to live a thousand years yeah. and i know that you would given the opportunity you would do it but i would i would i would i want to see like by the end of the thousand years i could conceivably see myself going yep no i'm all set well just think socially like the idea of generations would disappear right yeah like you would have kids they would have kids you would you know whatever like i said whatever you, you're doing but say you rejuvenate yourself you're the same age 
conceivably as your fucking great great grandkid or your your child could be you know physically 50 years older than you like the idea of baby booners gen x millennials you know i gen like these distinct generations with with distinct you know attributes and identities would be out the window it'd be gone well i just i want my dog to live to a thousand years even if i couldn't he's a good dog I think all dogs should live to be a thousand years. Dogs are the best. Did you hear the, um, oh, there was this fan theory about Chewbacca. So yeah. Chewbacca's species, they live, to, they live like a thousand years. Mm-hmm. So in a, for all intents and purposes, Han Solo was just like a blip on his radar. <laughs> right. Was, he was like Han Solo was a pet. Yeah, I did hear that. Yeah. And that if he had been I, neutered, he'd still be alive today. I'm pretty, pretty sure I'm the one that told you that a couple what? episodes ago. <laughs> you did? Yeah. <laughs> you just totally told my old joke back to me. I'm sorry, man. And you laughed. So suck it. I did laugh because I laughed at my old jokes all the time. <laughs> all right. What you got for me philosophically? Okay. So philosophically, I don't actually have a question per se. I have, I guess the best way to say it is nuggets of wisdom. Oh, okay. that I want to know what you think about. So like little scenarios or little proverbs or parables, have you? I'm just going to say them and I just want to know what you think about them. Okay. So I have a whole list of them. Here's number one. Before you criticize someone, you should walk a mile in their shoes. That way, when you criticize them, you are a mile away from them and you have their shoes. Yes. I've heard that one. That was pretty good. Or, I, I do subscribe to the notion that you should you should know where somebody's coming from before you criticize. Yes. Plus you have their shoe. Yes. So, okay, like this one. Sometimes you have to be careful when selecting a new name for yourself. For instance, let's say you have chosen the nickname Flyhead. Normally you would think that Flyhead would mean a person who has a beautiful sweatback features as if flying through the air. But then again, couldn't it also mean having a head like a fly? I'm afraid some people might actually think that. <laughs> Are these from Jack Handy. <laughs> it only took two. You got it. <laughs> Deep uh, Thoughts by Jack Handy. <laughs> yeah. Give me another uh, one. Uh, let's see here. The tired and thirsty prospector threw himself down at the edge of the watering hole and started to drink. But then he looked around and saw skulls and bones everywhere and, saw, and said, uh-oh, this watering hole is reserved for skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> oh. If you, get, if you get invited to your first orgy, don't just show up nude. That's a common mistake. You have to let the nudity happen. <laughs> True that. Uh, what's my favorite? Like I, My absolute favorite. I remember thinking this when I was a kid. If you ever drop your keys into a river of molten lava, let them go because, man, they're gone. <laughs> Do you know what Jack Handy and Gary Larson from the far side are two peas in a pod? Yes, just taking fairly sort of normal ideas and twisting them ever so slightly to make them hilarious. Yes. <laughs> now, did Phil Hartman read those? See, I don't know. I I think I was going to look that up and I forgot. But that does lead into my well. Once again, that does lead into my trivia question. <laughs> okay. Well, let's. Are you good with philosophy, or do you want to move on to trivia? Ah, there's got to be a better another Jack Handy one that's good here. If you're a cowboy and you're dragging a guy behind your horse, I bet it would really make you mad if you looked back and the guy was reading a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's easy to sit there and 
say you'd like to have more money. And I guess that's what's what I like about it. It's easy. Just sitting there, rocking back and forth, wanting that money. <laughs> Maybe in order to understand mankind, we had to look at the word itself. Mankind. Basically, it's made up of two separate words, mank and end. <laughs> what do these words mean? It's a mystery, and that's why it's so mankind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's good. Sometimes I think you have to march you have to march right in and demand your rights, even if you don't know what your rights are or the person you're at talking to. <laughs> then on the way out, slam the door. <laughs> and on and on. Consider the daffodil. While you're doing that, I'll be over here looking through your stuff. <laughs> Man, to I me, it's always good to a good idea to always carry two two sacks of something when you walk around. That way, if anybody asks, hey, can you give me a hand? You can say, sorry. Got these sacks. <laughs> yep. Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. Okay, that's good. <laughs> All right. Hit me with a trivia question. Mine's a softball. So, I'm going to underhand pitch is, one to you. Mine's a little sad. So, Phil Hartman, as we have mentioned previously, you may remember him in such roles as Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz. Yep. Uh, he was supposed to do the voice for Zap Brannigan on Futurama, but he was murdered by his wife. <laughs> yes. That's it. That's all I got. Have a good show. So what did Matt Groening do as a tribute? Because he was not able to, because he was such a beloved character in Simpsons, and it was supposed to do a Futurama voice. What did Matt Groening do as tribute? Oh, God, I don't know. Uh, created a character after him. Yes. Name, named. Yes. But what I... character? And it's a big tribute. I mean, it's a really big tribute. So do you know Futurama at all? Did you no, watch that? I have never watched Futurama. Okay, so you might not get this. The no. lead character, the absolute lead character, was the guy that got frozen for a thousand years. Yep. Philip Fry. He was named after Phil Hartman. That's awesome. I didn't yeah. know I didn't know his name in the show. I yeah. that's that's one of those shows that I feel so terrible that I never watched, but I I want to say that it was on the air, it got canceled and then came back. Is that true? Yes, at least once. But yes, it was it was like three seasons and then got canceled. Yeah, I really, more. I really should watch that show. I wish I could find it because I watched the original run up until it got canceled, and I never really watched the resurgence ones. And I've heard they're really good. I know I love. There's some some episodes that are fucking hilarious, like as almost as good as anything in The Simpsons. Really. <clears throat> All right, you ready for my underhand pitch? I am ready. What is the most populous mammal on Earth? The um. The children of conservative Mormons. Mormons. <laughs> That's a mammal. Mormons are totally mammals. Listen, you. I, I see you look at skeptical. Mormons are mammals. They're not lizards or insects or anything. You racist. I'm not being racist. I'm saying what you're just believing. Species of mammal. Mormons not a species. <sighs> there goes all our Utah listeners. Oh shit. <laughs> I don't even. I did. Did I mention Utah on the list? Did we have Utah? Yeah. I'm sure. Okay, most species. This the species is. This species has the more. most species. This no. This species <laughs> has the highest population on Earth. I'm gonna say shrews. Shrews? No. No. I thought this was an easy one. Mice, rats. Nope. Humans. Humans. Human. Is it humans? Human beings. There are more humans, humans on this planet than any other mammal. I would have thought anywhere there's humans, there's rats, and there's always more rats. Oh, and I think like number two is cows. What? Yeah. 
That makes no sense. Jesus, if the cows ever get their shit together, they could take us over. <laughs> well, yeah, because uh, tame water buffalo is like on the top five too. So you know that the water buffalo teaming up with the cows for sure. Yeah. Plus, think about it. You would have they would, they would not let you slaughter them anymore. So there goes our beef supply. Without beef, we have no protein, so we have no strength to fight against the cows once they attack. Well, I think the cows and the chickens have a little bit of a rift. So you know that whole the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing? I think the cows would let us eat chickens. <laughs> Barnyard politics. Yeah. Well, we can. Yeah. yeah, but if the cows are smart, they would deny us our supply of chickens and pigs to deny us the protein. Because, like us have we ever won? In the history of humanity, has a war ever been won by vegans? You tell me. Yes, the Great Vegan War of 1862. No, no, vegans have never, the vegans have never <laughs> won a battle. I just, I, I keep picturing what a vegan war would look like, and I just keep coming back to like a lot of sodomy with carrots and cucumbers. Would they allow vegetarians to fight for them? Like the vegetarians would be the special ops, like the black ops, wet works guys. Like they exist and we need them, but we're not, we're going to disavow them if they get caught. Yeah. Like the, the second the vegan, the vegetarians come in with the, the, their eggs and cheese, it's like, all right, you're on our side technically, but we don't like your methods. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Those need to be cage-free eggs. Uh, fucking Halloween. What is that? What do vegans do for Halloween for, for tricks? You can't egg somebody's house. Uh, a trick is something a whore does for money, Michael. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you gotta have some illusionists running around. All these goddamn illusionists. Yep. See, so there are some people right now listening to this podcast <laughs> that understood what I just said, and then there are people that listen to this podcast that have no idea what I just said. Shame. Shame. You banana grabber bastard. <laughs> it's a banana, Michael. How much could it cost? Ten dollars. <laughs> Ten dollars. <laughs> There's always at least ten dollars in the banana stand, so I mean, right? I don't think your math is right. <laughs> <laughs> we throw away a banana and we take two dollars <laughs> out of the till. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, maybe. When you, listen, if Mister Manager tells you that's not right, <laughs> Mister Manager is always going to tell you right. <laughs> uh, I feel like we should do a podcast about just that. Wait, maybe that happens. We do. We have like three or four episodes. That could be our lost episode. The lost episodes. Well, I will tell you that I have a plan to take back our space at work. And one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm going to take a brown paper bag. I'm going to fold it up a little bit and I'm going to write on it, dead pigeon, don't eat. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, God. Right here, right now. Let's make that vow. We make a shrine to Arrested Development. Yep. At work. And I don't care if nobody else in the hallway cares. I also I printed off I, I printed off the uh, the scene from Ghostbusters where Zool is in the refrigerator, and I'm gonna tape it to the back of the refrigerator. So oh when you open God, it, yes. <laughs> I've already I've already printed it. I just haven't cut it out and put it back there yet. I'm gonna find a picture of Buster peeking around the corner. I'm gonna tape that to my little <laughs> divider. Yep. Ah. Uh, it's better yeah. to be seen and not be heard. Not seen and not heard. <laughs> what is it? Uh, you can always tell a not Phil Moore. What is it? Ah, oh, it's a Seinfeld effect. It's starting to fade. No, no, no. It's at the top of my tongue. It's it starts uh, Mill, not Millhouse. Milton. Milton. You can always tell a Milton man. Yeah, something. Like that. I think it's Milton. I'm going right now. 
You gotta look it up. So for everybody across the country and across the world that has no fucking idea what we're talking about, doesn't care, fuck you. We're gonna decorate our workspace and you're gonna sit here and hear about it. Milford. You can always tell a Milford man. Yes. (laughs) Uh yeah, we've we've our shenanigans have been ousted from our office. Censored. We've been censored, so we're taking that space back. I had a beautiful tale. Yeah, where did that come from? Pinned up by the fire extinguisher about hobos having sex in this dude's house and him shitting in a barrel and then shitting himself. Doesn't the house burn down? And the house burns down and the mayor sees him and his grandma sees him and he the hobos beat up the grandma. It was just it was beautiful. It was, it was Christmassy okay. and it was awesome. You know those stories that you read you read forward and it's a tale of woe, but then you re- read it backwards and it's a good <laughs> tale. It was right. like that, only Instead of that, it was about hobos burning themselves and gang raping. Yeah, filthy hobo sex dungeons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know where you found that, but it was pure genius. I think I got it from Funny or Die a while ago, like a couple years ago. So the fact that it's gone and somebody ripped it down and threw it away without, without even trying to track down the owner, that's what kills me. Yeah. They don't know who put that up there. They don't know if the time and the love I invested in that. God damn it. Yeah, you found it. You printed it. You taped it up. I want to know who did it. Seriously. Like right here, right now. I want to know, was it our supervisor? Was it probably some good Samaritan? Oh, like, no. Uh, but not even that. The the how to ta- how to speak at a party, yeah. how to speak in awkward situations. They're gone. I like for- it. The slippy. We can't see that anymore. <laughs> uh, for anybody curious about Oak Nuggins and dip me in your monday milk if you want to know where that came from should we reveal that right now yeah let's reveal it okay the deep dark secret so we have this saying dip me in your monday milk we say it at the end of every episode along with oak nuggins Mm -hmm. that comes from the genius of somebody that goes by the name lord birthday (laughs) and if you google lord birthday you will find a series of cartoons comics funnies whatever you want to call them where this person i'm gonna guess they're british i don't know for a fact but a lot of their terminology is british um they he who lord birthday whoever it is has some really funny comics and dip me in your monday milk is supposedly the translation or the translation of dip me in your monday milk is let's have lunch on monday right Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. If you're saying okay, why not say Oak Nuggins? If you're yeah, saying let's say this be, to be cool is what it was. Yeah. Say this instead of that. Uh, there's a whole series of them, and Oak Nuggins and Dip Me in Your Money Milk are the two that we kind of glommed onto. Mm-hmm. Throw so, throw a boogie dollar down, <laughs> which I don't remember what that translated to. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So anyway, that's yeah. where that came from. All right. Well. Per usual, I'm gonna I'm gonna go let my pup out and mm-hmm. uh, get a little bit of shut eye. Just a little. The children get me up at the ass crack of dawn, mm. force me to make them their breakfast. Today we went to a birthday party <laughs> in town, and I didn't know it. They were playing a game, and I was kind of oblivious to it, and I didn't catch on until like on the way back. They were calling me the limo driver. Okay. And well, actually, no, it was before that when we were leaving the party, both of them stood outside the car waiting for me to open the door for them. (laughs) And I was 
I thought it was weird for a second, but it was kind of <laughs> chilly out, and I I wasn't willing to play. I didn't know what was going on, so I just opened the door for my daughter. And she said, "Thank you, limo driver," and oh got in. They and then they started you. speaking to me as a limo driver. Then when we got back, they said we walked in, and I said uh, we're getting ready to have supper. I was going to make supper, and they said, "Well, you're no longer the limo driver. Now you're the butler." And then they treated me like the butler for the rest of the night. Oh my god, dude, your kids are awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They also got a pixie stick. The birthday party that we won't. Well, talk that to. did. It. We won't tell their mother about that. But uh, well, good. I've, just I've discovered how to summon a demon. <laughs> you know, yeah, like <laughs> Satanists, they might have to go through all this work <laughs> with blood rituals and pentagrams and sacred words, speaking in tongues. Not me. All I got to do is go buy a pixie stick. <laughs> I can summon a demon in two seconds. Jesus, if you give him like one of those Starbucks Frappuccino things, the fucking world would probably come to a meltdown. Oh my God. <laughs> well, it's a good time. Hey, sit back and watch the world burn. Why not? Yeah. So, all right. I'm going to go. All right. Uh, Who are you? I am a thousand year old hobo orgy saying, <laughs> dip me in your Monday milk. Jesus, what am I? I am Bob Scientific Banana Stand Scully. <laughs> Saying Oak Nuggets. Oak Nuggets. All right, bud. Can't, I'll talk to you. Can't take my Oak Nuggets. <laughs> I'll talk to you Monday. All right. Later. See you, bud.